welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet and I'm here with Rachel Nadel. Rachel, guess what? Guess what? Today is part two of our reflections on ATIA, something we teased in the last episode, but we did not get to talk about. Uh, so we're going to talk about it now was um, your experience around AT chat. It was your first AT chat. So let's talk about that. I so for many, 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 many years now, Mike Murata and Karen Janowski, two of the co-authors of Inclusive Learning 365, EdTech Strategies for Every Day of the Year, they have been hosting a T-chat. And what that is, is on Twitter, 8 o'clock Eastern time uh, every Wednesday, there's a chat where you use the hashtag ATChat and you put out, um, usually they have some sort of questions that you answer. The format goes Q1 and they ask a question and then everyone responds in Twitter with A1 as a response to that. And it, it for, the, for the many, many years, it was an hour. So 8 uh, Eastern to 9 p.m. Eastern. And we chat and you build a community around uh, this chat. Recently, they've cut it back to 30 minutes. And at ATIA, a tradition at ATIA is we do a live in-person AT chat. And I've gone for many, many years. And this is where the people that you've been corresponding with all year long, you get to meet them face to face. And in some cases, it's new people like you've meaning that's their first ATIA or they've been recently participating in AT chat. A great example there is Sarah Gregory, I think, right, has sort of recently in the last year or two started participating in AT chat and then gets together with people that have not they've not necessarily met in person before and so this year we went to at chat live at atia and it was your first one right so that's the explanation what were your thoughts what was your reflections everyone's dying to know okay well i loved at chat and it might have been one of my favorite things we did because i felt like the relationships that i formed at at chat continued on throughout the conference. And I just want to say that like the AT chat people are my people is what I realized from AT chat. <laughs> um, and I also, I think I should share Chris, the story that I told. So we went around the circle and was like, we talked about who we are and what we do. And I said, you know, obviously I'm Rachel Madel. And I disclosed that I'm not really a Twitter person. Like I, and, and actually I shared a funny story. So I was at a conference a few years ago presenting and afterwards someone came up to me and said, hey, can I tell you something? <laughs> and I said, sure. <laughs> and they said, your Twitter is not great. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Twitter? I was like, what Twitter? And so I realized when I like kind of started my whole like online business journey, which at this point, I guess was, I don't know, six years ago. I go, if you scroll back on my Twitter, like to 2016, you'll see what I'm talking about. So anyway, I realized when I started, you know, this online business journey of mine, uh, being very visible on social media and all these things, I started a Twitter, but I unknowingly had connected one of my other social media accounts to Twitter. So it was auto posting like half thoughts because the thing with Twitter is like there's a character limit. And so it'd be like, hey guys, check out this really great idea. And then like nothing. <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, after this woman's like, hey, your Twitter's not great. I'm like, how rude. But then I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's all of these like half thoughts on Twitter that are like posting from Facebook or Instagram or something else. So anyway, I, I, of course, like 
was frantically messaging my assistant, like, can you figure out how this is connected and stop this like automation? And since then, I like, I'd say I like check Twitter like quarterly, like every three months I hop on Twitter and I have like a bajillion people who have like tagged me in things. It's typically Chris after we present. And anyway, so I told the story and I was like, so I don't really understand Twitter. I don't know how it works. If you look back on like my Twitter feed, it ain't great, but I'm here to learn. I'm here to participate and I'm dedicated and committed to learning about Twitter. So that was the story that I shared and everyone I think liked it. Um, and since then I can report, I'm a Twitter person. I'm tweeting, I'm, I'm learning how to retweet and what that means. And I feel like AT Chat helped me get motivated to actually learn Twitter. Well, so for years, um, Beth Poss and I would do uh, Twitter 101 sessions at ATIA to bring people into the fold because so often social media in general gets a bad rap. Uh, Twitter in particular if, over the years, has you hear things in, in mainstream media about Twitter and some of the um, negative things that can come out of it. But it's like any other tool. It's what you put into it. And I know so many educators that have become connected educators because of Twitter that um, in the same way that you are connected educator with Instagram and you made so many connections with Instagram, Twitter sort of was, well, I mean, it definitely was before Instagram. And it's again, it's what you put into it. So I never had a bad experience. I mean, I've never had even a single bad experience on Twitter. It's always been positive because I would um, follow other educators that are um, that are interested in what I'm interested in and we want to learn more together. And then you start sharing resources together and then start sharing perspectives together and then start uh, learning different perspectives. That's the other nice thing about Twitter is that you can start following people that maybe don't share your same perspective and learn from them. Um, one of the hashtags that I really love to follow in uh, on Twitter and where I've learned so much is the actually autistic hashtag where people who actually have autism, not people who work adjacent to autism, but they're actually uh, sharing stories of what their perspectives are. And it's such a a um, authentic way of learning right from from people who are actually autistic. Um, so that's just one example of how uh, one, you can broaden your perspective with with Twitter, but also you can really find your people and um, and build these closer relationships. These are they're, the people that you're talking about that you sort of just met with AT chat. They're my professional learning network, but more than that, they're my friends, right? I mean, they're my friends. They're they're people that I trust implicitly with uh, the deepest, darker secrets of Chris Puget. No, I don't know. There's not, I don't have any. I mean, despite recording in a closet, there's not many secrets in the Chris Puget closet. But these are the people that you can commiserate with and and brainstorm about your future professional life, you know, and give advice and get advice and feel like you're part of a very trusted community. Not feel you are you're you are part of a very trusted community. And so you have these deep, meaningful relationships with these people that you might only see once a year at ATIA or some other conference. So welcome, Rachel. I think I can speak on behalf of everyone from AT Chat. Welcome to the fold. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I'm super excited. I actually, so I missed AT Chats on Wednesdays and I was, I think on an airplane getting ready to take off. And I was like, hmm, let me look at Twitter. And I was like, oh, I've missed something very important. <laughs> 
and I was tagged in a lot of things, which is super exciting. So I went in there and I was commenting and doing things. I still don't exactly know what I'm doing, but I think I'm learning over time. It's interesting to like think about how we interact with social media in different ways. It's like, what's socially acceptable? Cause I could be like retweeting everything, but that's not really the way that it's used, right? So I'm just like learning kind of the rules of engagement by watching other people and like, what did they do? Oh, they commented there. Are they favorite, is it favorite? The little heart, favorite? Yeah. Yeah, favorited or liked, Doesn't, I don't know. I don't know it. the lingo, but <laughs> the heart. Um, exactly. So it's just like really interesting to think about how we use social media in different ways and yeah. yeah. I'm a, t- I'm a Twitter person, at Rachel Madel SLP. Follow me on Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Um, and check out AT Chat on Wednesday nights. There's no obligation. I think how a lot of people first start on Twitter is they, um, we call it lurking, right? Where you're just reading. Just read read through. Plug in the hashtag and just scroll through. What will happen without a doubt is at some point, if you just start by reading AT Chat, someone, something will post, someone will post something that strikes you that you just feel compelled to respond to. And then you can take it from there. Um, and everyone understands on Twitter, again, this has been my experience, Twitter etiquette is very, you, you learn it, like you learn it over time. So again, this trusted community will give you feedback, but it's very rare that anyone ever does anything that breaks Twitter etiquette. You know what I mean? It's just, um, it's just, uh, it's just something that uh, happens naturally. All right, well, okay, so enough of Twitter. Let's move on, and let's talk about the other new experience. If you roll back in the archives here of Talking With Tech, just a few episodes ago, before ATIA, I was like, you don't have a choice, Rachel Madel. You're coming to EdCamp. I'm dragging you there. Don't even think you're getting out of it. And you came to your first ever EdCamp, too, right? Shoulder to shoulder, we went to EdCamp, which was actually, it's kind of funny, too, EdCamp, traditionally run by Karen Janowski, who who wasn't able to be there at this particular conference, we missed her greatly, and Mike Murata, who had to leave early because there was a giant snowstorm coming into uh, New Jersey, and he wasn't going to be able to get back to New Jersey. So he actually asked some of the Twitter family to run it, and they did a fantastic job. So what are your perspectives? And if this is your first episode of Talking With Tech that you're listening to, go back and listen to a few others where we describe it in detail. But what was your feedback? What is your thoughts? What's your reflections on EdCamp? So I also loved EdCamp. I felt like it was a really good way to process and discuss kind of everything that I was learning. And so one, I loved that it was self-directed. I could choose what discussion I wanted to join. And I feel like we don't do that enough with professional learning. I feel like it's oftentimes just sitting and absorbing information. And we know that we learn best when we're able to bounce ideas off of each other and ask questions. And I felt like it was a really rich discussion. Um, Both discussions we were in, Chris, um, one on equity um, and diversity. And that I felt like was super powerful. And I'm always interested in learning and hearing from those perspectives. Um, and then the second was Longestrat language processing, which <laughs> was all the rage and the buzz at ATAA this year. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was pretty vocal in that group because I am learning about this and really trying to understand how it impacts our practice. And so, yeah, I just felt like it was a really good way to listen to other people's perspectives, ask pertinent questions and really kind of go a little bit deeper in my understanding and my experience. Um, and we were able to connect and like share ideas, which I I think the best professional learning experiences uh, incorporate that into the learning. 
I couldn't agree more. It's one of the best parts of the conference is Ed Camp. You, you clearly I've been raving about it for years now on the podcast. Um, the AEC agreements were born out of Ed Camp, and then, like you said, like we we went to the session on Gestalt language processing. We sat there in the room together, was able to have a conversation together, and there was a bunch of people. Um, asking questions at the end. You wanted, you didn't want that session to end. You wanted the, the session to continue and have a deeper discussion. Well, fast forward a couple hours later, we're in EdCamp. We're uh, huddled around a small circle of maybe, would you put it at 10, maybe 10, 10 or 15 people somewhere in that, in that ballpark. And the presenter was there, sitting there on the chair, like came, came up. And so we could have a much more intimate discussion rather than in a room full of, let's say, 50 people. Um, we had a, a nice intimate. And then after the intimate discussion, Ed Camp is over. Um, we hung out afterwards. It was you, me and her. And uh, I think one other person, there was four of us that kind of hung out afterwards here it is friday night everyone's off to disney or do it out to dinner and the four of us are having this really intimate conversation about what it means um and that that's that is something that can cannot be replicated on twitter do you know what i mean it can't be replicated in a zoom conference it, it's uh it's the meat of a conference that you really have to happen in person um that 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 in between sessions, uh, and that staying after sessions, that um, that we that that was really valuable. Do you know what I mean? I think that is going to stick with me for a long time. Though that those conversations we had after Ed Camp, right? No, totally. And I mean, I have to say that those conversations really changed kind of my understanding and my thinking process. So I feel like that's the benefit of connecting with people. And we talk about it all the time, Chris, but. Any type of professional learning needs to try to emulate that. It's harder when you're on Zoom and it's a webinar, but if you have the ability to have a group of people in the same place, it's like take advantage of that opportunity to get people in small breakout sessions or discussion groups or even as a large group, um, just trying to encourage a conversation because I feel like everybody has such insight and valuable ideas to share. and when someone's at the front of the room just kind of lecturing and not really including the group, you know, we're, we're really, it's a missed opportunity. Oh, I guess one last thing about uh, Ed Camp is that uh, we had the great opportunity to give away some prizes at the end of the Ed Camp. When I say we, Beth Poss and I were both there. Beth, one of the other authors of Inclusive Learning 365, Ed Tech Strategies for Every Day of the Year. And we had a number of books that we were able to give away. I think we gave away like 10 books there at the end. Uh, so it was great because everyone put their names in a, in a hat and pull them out and then people got to win books. So we got this great picture of all of us together, everyone holding their books. So it was really, um, it was it was really fun to see everyone so excited to win those books. It was. Uh, it was a great experience. Chris, I have the best picture of you. It's not from EdCamp. It's from your session, which hopefully we're going to talk about soon. But I have a picture where you look like a straight celebrity signing your book <laughs> for someone in the audience. And I was like, this is picture worthy. And so I literally caught that on camera. I appreciate you taking that picture. And uh, and it's always an honor when someone comes up and asks me to sign a book for them. It's um. It's really humbling, and I always appreciate when people do that. So you brought up Cards Against Exclusivity, this session. I want to hear your perspectives on it. I guess, let me just describe it, and then, again, same thing. I'd love to hear what your feedback was. So uh, you come into the room, 
And immediately we realized that the, the room was not set up for what we wanted to do with Cards Against Exclusivity, right? The idea was people would be sitting at tables as a team and I would pass out uh, five cards or so. And uh, the team would then choose a card to match a scenario that was displayed on the screen behind me. So you might have on your cards, you might have five, um, uh, I don't know, an educational strategy, a website, a resource, you know, something like that. And then behind me was, a, a, the, those are the white cards. And then the black card displayed on the screen would be some sort of scenario like something we're going to implement next year or something my teachers really need to know more about or some tool to help me uh, learn language uh, using AAC, right? Could be something that was displayed on the back. But the room was not set up this way. So immediately as people started coming in the room, grabbed some volunteers, including you, <laughs> dragged tables around, and a bunch of us made islands or, or team tables rather than rows, right? Uh, and then we realized there wasn't going to be enough chairs. So uh, again, shout out to Matthew Press, my longtime friend from Arizona. He's like, Chris, they actually keep extra chairs in the back hallway. So we busted through the, the, the back doors, ran into the, into the secret hallway behind the conference center, found stacks of chairs, dragged probably 30 chairs and put them around. Got the, the, the hairy eyeball from the ATI people like, we're sort of breaking protocol here. I was like, mm, I wish we had a bigger room, I guess, you know. Um, and then people got together in their teams and then realized quickly we needed, I mean, I always knew there was going to be celebrity judges, right? So what would happen is we display up on the screen the scenario, the teams would pick one card, and then those cards would, I, we'd run around and collect them. And I'd have a stack of, there were, I think maybe 10 or 11 teams. So I'd have a stack of 11 cards. I'd read out those cards, what the different strategies were and reflect on them for a second. You know, if people didn't know what this website was, describe what it was. If people didn't know what the strategy was, describe what it was or shout it out to the room. Hey, w one of the cards, for instance, was an Eisenhower matrix, right? And I, I could see it in the room. Like most people didn't know what an Eisenhower matrix was. So I'd say, who wants to describe it? And I remember uh, particularly a friend from Arizona, Mitch. Um, Mitch is like, I'll, I know what it is, Chris. So we run back there and we're like, okay, Mitch, tell everyone what an Eisenhower matrix is. Which again, Google it if you don't know what an Eisenhower matrix is. Um, but then I take those cards because there was like 10 good answers there and we had to pick one. So I turned and I gave those cards to the three celebrity judges who were... Mo Booty, uh, who's been on the podcast before, Beth Poss, um, longtime presenter, friend, co-author, and um, also has been on the podcast. And then who is the third? I can't remember who that third celebrity judge, who was that? I, I was the celebrity judge, Chris. Oh, yeah, it was you. And so the three of you would then confer over the 10 different cards, pick one, and then those people would win that card as the prize. Whoever had the most winning cards won fabulous prizes, which can, you could probably guess were copies of Inclusive Learning 365. So that's how it went. We took the last mm, two or three minutes, maybe, maybe five minutes to reflect on the experience. And that's what I'm going to ask you now. So what was your take on the experience? Let's talk all about it. Okay. So first of all, I loved that you and Matt were just like 
basically doing like a hit workout, like running with like stacks of chairs to try to, cause people kept coming in there were more people come in, more people come in. And so I'm really excited that we were able to kind of change the room around and figure out the chair situation. Um, so I think that the setup of the room was really important because I don't think we would have had the same experience if it was just like rows of desks. Um, <clears throat> so I think that that was really important. And I just really loved the energy. I felt like everybody was engaged. Everybody was talking. Everybody was learning. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I was a judge, so I wasn't able to kind of listen to the discussions. It wasn't a part of the discussions, but I can anticipate that people were kind of going through, you know, their rationale as to why they thought this was the best strategy. And I know just from the judge's perspective, you know, we had a really rich discussion about, well, you know, this is a tool and like maybe a tool doesn't make sense here. Like I think a strategy is more powerful. And so it was just like we had very rich conversations as we were trying to decide which do we think is the winner. And I'm sure there were very similar situations happening at these tables. And, you know, we just kind of talked about how important these discussions are. Um, you know, you could have very easily sat up there and lectured about these strategies and tools and ideas, and it wouldn't have been, you know, it, I don't think it would have been as informative because we can only absorb so much when people are lecturing at us. But more importantly, it definitely wouldn't have been as much fun. I feel like the whole room was buzzing with energy. It was a super fun experience. There was a competitive element. So people were trying to like win. Um, and I just, I really, I loved it. And so much so that we, the judges and I, Beth and Mo, um, we had a moment where we were like, how does Chris Bouquet think of these things? Like, how did he design this? Like, it's so good. And that's like the only thing, like my biggest takeaway was like, this was awesome. This was really an amazing experience. And I'm not surprised that you thought of this, Chris, because I feel like you're so good at designing experience, learning experiences, um, which is funny because that's what we, we teach people about too, right? Like our pre-conference talk is designing and delivering, motivating experiences with AAC. And I feel like you did that for you know us too. Like you are good at designing and delivering professional development. Um, so I loved it. And the nice thing about it is that I feel like you could do that every single year and it would be a completely different experience every single year. So first of all, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Uh, I really appreciate that. And thank you for participating as a judge. Um, it, it would not be the same with different people. So uh, like you said, it's it would be a different experience every single time. Um, not knowing how big the rooms were going to be, how many people were coming, I didn't know how many cards I needed. So I had created 300 cards. Uh, we didn't get through all the scenarios uh, in the slide deck either. So, um, And so like you said, it could be a different experience because you might get five different cards, which changes the entire conversation that you're having at your table. And we didn't get through all the cards. I mean, we didn't get through half the cards, uh, even though the room was packed. Uh, and, and each table was having their own conversation. So, yes, it would be totally different each year every time you do it, um, which I think is part of the exciting. Like, I wouldn't want it to be the same every year. I want it to be like learning something new and different and changing. And walking after, afterwards, Rachel, I was like, and I was still to, to this day, I'm like, oh, that should be a card. I oh, like there's it, right now it's 300, but there's still so many more cards I could add um, as I think of them or as other people think of them. It's like, yeah, we got to add them as cards. So, yes, I want to give a shout out to um, my wife because she helped me. All the cards were laminated so that, you know, we could disinfect them. And, you know, they had a certain 
um, quality to them, I think, uh, rigidity to them. They weren't just pieces of paper. And her and I painstakingly cut each one and we rounded the edges so that people wouldn't cut themselves. So we spent a lot of time making these cards look nice. Melissa, those cards were beautiful. So I'm going to give Melissa a shout out. I noticed the details and we appreciate you. And then I also want to take a second just to reflect on a moment I had afterwards. So it didn't hit me right in the moment, Rachel, but afterwards I was looking at it. So I took a, a selfie picture while everyone was discussing one with like my face in front and everyone back there. And I was thinking through um, who participated. And to my left, so, you know, we were sort of in the middle of the room. And to my left, there was a group of people from Pennsylvania. I've talked about how I, uh, I guess, is, I don't know if it's still recent or not, but recently I went to Penn State. Well, these were people that I know from Penn State. And the table next to them was people that I knew from Florida. Um, and then there was people in the back of the room that were from Arizona that I've worked with. And then the whole patents crew, the Access to Education Indiana crew was there. And then over on the right, there was people I've worked with from Louisiana. And I just had this moment of like, these are my people, you know, like these people helped um, my career in so many ways. And I got to go present to all of these different organizations. And I just had a moment of, um, of reflection of an appreciation for for like these are the people making a difference in the world and these people have made a difference in my life and i just had a little like you know verklempt like like reflection of that uh it was good to be back with my people you know what I mean? no totally and i feel like i had a similar moment of gratitude and these moments of gratitude kind of come you know just sporadically but in order for us to have built this podcast, for example, it's because so many people are listening and sharing. And it's just really is humbling to think that so many people listen to us on this podcast, come to professional development with us, um, you know, buy our books, you know, buy our resources. And so it really is so you know, it's such a moment of gratitude for me when I think about like where I am in my career and the platform that I've built to kind of share everything that I know about AAC and the things that I'm learning about AAC and, you know, assistive technology and all these things. And so it really is like special when you think about that. And, you know, every time that we have a session, Chris, and we, people are in the audience that have already been to one of our sessions, which happens so often, like first, but the first thing I think is, I feel like I already taught you these things, but people keep showing up. And I think that's a testament to one, you need to kind of hear these these concepts kind of repeated. Um, and two, I feel like Chris, you and I really try to create a different experience every time we're in some type of professional development, you know, learning opportunity for people. When we're creating that, we're constantly thinking, you know, how can we bring something new to this discussion? And I think that's really important. Um, and so, I just definitely have so much gratitude for everybody who follows our work. And I'm super excited that I had the opportunity to meet many of those people at ATAA. Me too. Me too. I, I, I was reflecting on all the people that I have met. And then I was also reflecting, too, on some of the new people that were there. You know, so, for instance, um, uh, Ashley Laracy. I had not met her before. It's one of those things where uh, sort of knew each other's work, uh, clearly was on the podcast, but it was your interview, not mine, right? So I wasn't, I, I didn't know her from there. But now we really bonded over that experience of being there. It, she was there at Cards Against Exclusivity um, and then, you know, hung out afterwards. And 
that part of the experience is the content for sure. But then I think even a larger part of the experience is building these relationships. And so I was reflecting on all the relationships that I have and that exist, and then all these new ones. And I wonder what's yet to come. You know, it's exciting. It's so exciting. Also, Ashley Laracy's episode is awesome. So definitely go back and listen to that episode. If you haven't, she talks all about how do we engage older students? How do we figure out age respectful materials? And, you know, I feel like, so it's so funny, synchronous it is during Lauren Enders and Sarah Gregory's session on Canva, they were sharing ideas from Ashley. And I feel like it's such a great community that we've built. And it's so great that everybody is sharing each other's work and connecting with each other and, um, it was really cool. I, I feel like, especially at Sarah and Lauren's session, people were raising their hand, giving ideas. I like took the microphone and talked about Loom, which you know, I love that tool. Um, and then Alyssa Wern started telling me things about Loom that I hadn't known. I was like, oh my God, Alyssa, should we do a presentation on Loom next year? So it's just like really cool. And I am so, you can't see me right now, but my, my, my smile is so big because I felt like such a great experience. And I can't believe I like hadn't gone to HEIA before this. So I'm definitely going. I'm going every year now, Chris. <laughs> All right. Well, you brought up, um, let's, let's, let's slide on over into this conversation about um, Sarah Gregory's and uh, Lauren Ender's session on it. So that it was mostly on Canva, but it was really more about using these sorts of tools with students, not for students. So often we see people using Canva to create something and then bring it into an experience with the students. And what they were talking about is all the interactive components where you can build something with students. Um, so what were your thoughts on that session? Okay, so I love Lauren Enders, I love Sarah Gregory, and those two together were just like uh, well, a, a powerhouse. I felt like it was like the best of both worlds. I feel like they both have amazing ideas, um, very creative therapy ideas, and it was really fun and interactive, and I feel like those are the best sessions. So they literally had Canva up on the screen, and they were talking about, you know, okay, what should we do now? Like, we literally were creating a material in real time, and they were showing us all the different features of Canva. Um, specifically, what I like about Canva is that it's, it's so interactive and it has so many different features. Um, you know, we just kind of referenced Ashley Laracy and age respectful materials. And I feel like what a great therapy idea when you're trying to help an older student, like a middle school student or a high school student create a social media post. Like that's what kids care about. You know, it's like posting something on social media. Um, and so there's so many different ways that you can use that tool to create really you know, meaningful experiences with AAC and language. And it's like, how can we use that technology creatively? And I feel like they did a really good job of showcasing um, how we can use the technology creatively. And um, I definitely left that session with lots of ideas on how I could potentially use it. I use Canva all the time in my business uh, for social media. All my resources are built on Canva. Um, but I haven't explored it as much with the students that I'm serving um, and doing therapy with. So I definitely left with a lot of ideas on how I could potentially do that. Um, and yes, always, always great ideas from those two. 
So that particular session, you and I did not sit next to each other. You were up in the front of the room. I intentionally sat in the back because I knew I'd have to sneak out with just a few minutes because the Cards Against Exclusivity was right after that session. So I was in the back of the room and I was my shoulder partner was Mo Booty. So Mo and I were together and Mo was um, aware of Canva, had played with it, but was really wanting a deeper experience. And it was so great the way they had, again, the way they designed that session where they were... Um, uh, they were showing you stuff to do and you could easily just sit there and let it wash over you and just participate in the experience sort of passively, right? But what Mo was doing right next to me is she had her computer up and she was trying to build things along with them, like actually click the buttons and get used to like, and then she'd learn, which, what did they just say? Where is that thing? And we'd discuss it and like, quietly together. Um, yeah, I think it's over here. It's under this. You click on there and that's where you get to the photos and drag it over. Oh, I see how it works now, you know, but was actually building something along with them, which again, I feel like that, you know, I mean, whatever works for you, right? But that sort of thing where they were going at a pace where she could follow along and, or people could follow along. Mo just happened to be one person that was doing it. Um, and actually motor through the experience is going to help that, uh, that, resonate and stick with you longer than again maybe just hearing about it you know i think playing with something helps you learn more about it and just kind of to your point chris i feel like we have this idea in our head sometimes that we have to really understand a tool before we bust it out during a therapy session and I, I'm just like, oh, let me put this new tool on my list and in a session, I'll pull it up and I'll try to figure it out with a student because I feel like it's a it's a powerful learning experience for us to figure it out together. Um, it also takes the pressure off of me having to do all of this prep work to explore this tool. Um, I, I do it in real time and I feel like we can do those things with our students and we can use those opportunities to teach language. And I, I feel like I just wanna mention that because I'm leaving ATIA with a ton of new tool ideas. We, I, you know, I have a whole list of tools that I need to explore. I'm not going to sit down and explore those tools in a lot of detail prior to showing them to my students. And I feel like that takes the pressure off. Um, you know, don't feel like you need to, you know, spend 30 minutes exploring a tool before you actually pull it out in, in therapy. You know, sometimes I'll go through tools and be like, oh, I kind of get a sense of this. Just spent like one minute looking at it. This will be good for this student. Um, so sometimes you need to kind of take a look and see what it is. But I think it's just an important reminder, like you can do that in real time. <laughs> for sure. Just jump in, jump into the pool and and start swimming. Right. And you don't have to know how to be an Olympic swimmer to do that. Just just dive in. Um, Speaking of that, something that's similar to that is, again, one of my favorite experiences uh, is that happens every year at ATIA is AT Maker Day. And AT Maker Day is, is traditionally on Saturday morning, and it was Saturday morning. And this year, one of the organizers with, of that was Judith Schoonover. And Judy and I have been colleagues. I mean, she taught me board maker back in the day. We worked on the uh, assistive technology team for Loudoun County Public Schools. We were sort of the original people that um, helped develop the, the, the team. And so we've known each other for a thousand years. And um, uh, there's, she is, if there's someone who could be, who puts together AT Maker Day, Judy was the right person for this job. So I definitely went and uh, walked around and looked at all the creative things that uh, students were making. Um, one of the, a cool one that I saw was 
They took the fan, they put it horizontally, they put PVC pipe around the fan, then they put plastic around that, and then they took balloons, blew up the balloons, put them inside, and balloons are flying around inside this, this uh, con contraption with the air, all switch activated so that, um, so that you could uh, have this fun sensory experience, right? It's not just like hit the button, watch the pig walk across the table. It's like, watch these balloons fly around. We can do all sorts of, and Judy's a, a, a master at, at crafting the goal uh, with these sorts of experiences. So imagine counting the balloons or talking about core vocabulary, like higher, lower, uh, talk about colors, right? Uh, talk about blow, but typically when we think about blow, we think about using our lungs and our articulators to blow. But here, we're, there's the air is blowing up, you know, it was just, uh, and, and giving alternative access methods, um, all bound together in a creative, fun way. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff you go to and you just don't see that very often. That's why you go to an AT Maker Day. So loved it. Loved it as I usually love it. Love to see uh, other students involved, like high school students involved, uh, coming up with creative, innovative, new ways of looking at things. I love that. I also love, you know, thinking about how oftentimes our students who have to use alternative access, they have very limited mobility of their bodies and they have therefore not a lot of control of their environments. And so I love the idea of switch activated toys and activities because imagine how powerful it is for a student who's in a wheelchair um, to be able to, you know, not only like have some fun experience, but also be in control of it. Um, and so I feel like that's really awesome. And I, I'm sad that I missed that, but we can only do so much when we're at a conference. We, there's so many things to do, sessions to attend, people to talk to. So I'm happy that we divided and conquered, Chris. Now, AT Maker Day was originally, I think, started by Bill Binko. So a shout out to Bill Binko and got to see him and Lori Binko, who are both run AT Makers, uh, the AT Makers group, which is a, uh, I think it's a nonprofit organization all about doing this. So if you want to get involved, uh, check out atmakers.org. Bill Binko, of course, has been on the podcast. One of the first episodes, he might be episode two or three, I think. Totally. He was an early episode for sure. He was, he was. And of course, they are also the owners in, of Lesson Picks. Um, and then, so we got to see him and chat with him a little bit uh, and Lori. Uh, but then we also, uh, right next to that booth was our friends at Pixie Pal, which again, we have been former sponsors. Um, and Pixie Pal is, uh, we got to meet uh, Chris McDonald. We got to meet Chris McDonald, who we've only, at least I have never met in person before, but have you met him in person? No, he's from Australia, Chris. He came from Australia to ATIA, and I finally get to meet him in person. We've had numerous conversations uh, virtually. Um, but yeah, he flew all the way from Australia. So it was great to, to, to meet him and hang out with him and meet a, a sponsor there in person, um, along with Brandy Lee Wentland um, and chatting with them and catching up with them. So it's great. It's it, again, part of the family, you know, the extended family getting to see him in person. So Chris, I feel like we had an amazing ATIA experience. Um, I'm curious, do you have any final thoughts? My final thoughts are that I cannot wait for ATIA 2023. If you can be there, you gotta be there. I'm definitely going to be there. Uh, I hope you're going to be there, Rachel. 100%, 100% gonna be there. I will not miss it. We for sure will do another pre-conference, assuming ATIA invites us, but I think they will. And hopefully you can be there too. 
Now, before we wrap up the episode, Rachel, how about we do some podcast reviews from iTunes and let's do some shout outs to Patreon members. How does that sound? That sounds excellent, Chris. So I want to give a shout out to all of our new Patreon members. Chris, we have so many. Since our last episode, we have, let's see, uh, shout out to Amber, to Ashley, to Titania, to Linda, and to Shirley. So if you guys are interested, we have a Patreon, patreon.com backslash talking with tech. We would love your support. We also have tons and tons of back content in there. Um, and I think, you know, we're continuing to add to it. Um, so definitely check it out if you're interested. Also want to give some shout outs, Chris, to people who have left us reviews on iTunes, which is a goal of mine for 2022 is to get more iTunes reviews. And I feel like you guys are listening and you're going to leave us a review on iTunes, which I really appreciate. Okay, so this one comes from Jen. As a school-based speech therapist who is fairly new to the world of AAC, this podcast is a lifesaver. Chris and Rachel present great topics in each episode, and the conversational dialogue is so helpful. I learn something new every time I listen. Okay, the second one is from AAC in Tennessee. Are you looking for a relaxed but evidence-based way to learn about AAC? Rachel and Chris do an excellent job on this podcast. They utilize all of their personal therapy experiences in conjunction with evidence-based practice to help clinicians provide the best therapeutic interventions and support for families and staff of individuals with AAC. That's so great to hear. There's, there's more, Chris. Working in a school system of 50 plus schools as the AAC SLP, they have given me tools and strategies that I can implement the next day. They've also made me think, never let me get stuck, but push me to the, be the best possible SLP. I'm so grateful for this podcast and the work Rachel and Chris do. Oh, that is an awesome review. Those are awesome reviews. That's exactly what we strive for is those sort of practical strategies, but also stretching your thinking. So feels like we're, we, we hit it there, right? So that's so great. I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you uh, for taking the time to write those reviews, thoughtful reviews. It wasn't just like, this is great. It's like really thoughtful and reflective. And so the time you take to do that is really appreciated. And it helps more people find the, the podcast. Yes, we really appreciate all the reviews and all the feedback. Honestly, ATA was amazing. So many people came up to us, Chris, and said, we love your podcast. We listen every week. Um, and so it's just so nice to meet people in person. And you know, every time you guys send a, a direct message on social media or an email or leave a review, we really appreciate it. It makes us feel like the work we do is really impactful. And it's just nice to hear because especially with the podcast, Chris, we just sit here and talk. And it's 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 sometimes we forget that thousands of people are listening to this podcast. So it's really exciting for us to, to get your reviews. All right. Well, I'm Chris Bouguet, and this is Rachel Madel, and we'll see you at ATIA 2023.